morning, church. Uh, it's so good to be here. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Shogo, and I've been uh, part of Forest View's teaching team this past year, and it's really a great opportunity to be here. It's kind of like, uh, I think I may have said this before, but it's kind of like Christmas for me. It's, a, it's a really a huge gift to be able to share the thing that gives you so much joy. And I've been reading into John 17, and I just wanted to share that with you. Uh, but before I start, uh, is it okay that I pray? Perfect. Awesome. Let me pray. I was hoping you'd say yes. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you that we are gathered together here as a family and that you have a word for us. So Jesus, thank you that when you tell us that two or three are gathered, that your presence is here, so you're with us. So help us to become aware of that presence. Help us to be aware of what you're saying to us because we know that there is something in here for us to hear. So help us to have those ears to hear. And for whatever it is that people are dealing with right now in their hearts, and their minds, back home, wherever it is, we just ask that you would attend to those things so that we could be here without a worry and to be in your presence. In your name, Jesus, amen. So let's dive right in into John chapter 17. Uh, the passage that I was given was from verses uh, 17 to 20, but I'm just going to read a little bit ahead, and then I'm going to read one verse past it. So... This is coming from the NIV here, and this verse 15, it says, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. So let me read that one more time. To sanctify them by the truth, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. And the first thing I've noticed is that the word sanctified or sanctified, uh, yeah, sanctified or sanctified have come across three times within three verses. And to me, I feel like that sounds like a Christian jargon where I really don't know what that actually means. I'm not sure what that looks like. Um, and so I thought I would uh, give you a little um, intro into that word. Now, I, this is me trying to be an academic, looking into the Greek word. I found it. Um, I can't say it very well. I think it's pronounced uh, hagiazo. And apparently it means to sanctify, set apart, make holy. This can mean active dedication and service to God or the act of, regard, the act of regarding or honoring as holy, which still kind of seems a lot like sanctify, consecrated, make holy. Those are the kind of words that are used in this passage. Um, but I thought in the kind of modern-day terminology, the way that I can see that is this idea to set aside for an intended purpose. So when we talk about consecrating or sanctifying or to make holy, it's this idea of setting it aside for a different purpose. And at least in our case, it's to be set apart for a God-intended purpose. Now, I think that we do this normally in our culture and socially. For example, if you buy a house, you dream about... Uh, what the rooms are going to be like. So this is the living room, this is the kitchen, this is the bedroom, and you have an intended purpose of what you want it to be like. And we actually do that also, say, for at school, that's where the kids go and learn. Within that, there's like the library, there's the gymnasium, the art gallery is for art. 
the gymnasium is for physical activities, and bedroom is for you to sleep in. Now, you might notice that your bedroom might have a little bit more of a mess in it because, you know, kids have come in and they've been playing with it, or you've left clothing on the floor, and it kind of turns into this little space where you're not really sure what's happening uh, because it's now outside the intended purpose of you sleeping in there. So you have to kind of go in there and clean it up before you remember that, oh, yeah, this is my bedroom. Oh, there's the bed. Oh, there's a chair. Right. And I think that we do that in, in, in our culture of setting aside things for a greater purpose. And we uh, make that space into something. And so the first part I think about when I think about sanctification is this idea that this space or this thing is set aside for a greater purpose, or in our case, a God-intended purpose, something that is going to happen or something that we want it or we're working towards. And so even our space here, the sanctuary, maybe coming from a similar word, is set aside, it's a room set aside so that we can gather together as a family uh, to sing together, to worship together, to pray together, uh, to be together. And of course, you can have other things that happen in this space, but our intention and our purpose for this space is so that we can gather together and worship God. And that happens with the kids' rooms, that happens with the offices. We all have these intentions of what it's supposed to be. And so I think that's the first fold of the idea of sanctification, which is also, again, a big word um, that we like to use. And the other part of sanctification is this idea, uh, I think, is kind of like a process, thing, something that happens, um, in fact, over time. So uh, when I was trying to think of what that looks like, um, I was thinking about uh, running. So when I had come back, I was away for a couple months, and when I had come back, I hadn't done any physical exercise, so I thought to myself, well, I need to get back into shape. I need to go for a run because I had this intended purpose of becoming fit. Um, so I put on my shoes, I put on my shirt, you know, I bought some new, cool new clothing so that I can feel like a runner, and then I set out on a run, and within the first few hundred meters, I was exhausted. I was tired, and I thought to myself, what am I even doing? Like, I'm not good at this, I'm tired, like, I actually feel crappier than, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Um, I felt worse. <laughs> I felt worse than I did when I was sitting in my house on my couch watching television. Um, but I knew that if I went out for a little run, the first part will be really, really hard. But I knew that the next day, when my muscles were hurting or I was out of breath, if I went again, I could be a little bit better the next time. So the first day, I, I probably ran about you know, 500 meters and I was done. And I called it quits. And then the next day I went out and I probably ran 600 meters. And I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to go past those lights this time and I'm going to run through it so that you know, I feel like I've accomplished something a little bit better. And so I kept doing that until I was able to run a kilometer and then I was able to run two kilometers and then I was able to run three kilometers. I'm like, ah, this feels really good. I feel like, like a runner. And I finally started to get to a point where I felt like I was running and I was getting the results that I was looking for. But it took... Uh, a couple of weeks definitely to get there, and I had to change my eating habits and all that stuff. Um, and I think that's kind of like the transformation that we uh, have when we're talking about sanctification. Now, also, actually, I also looked into um, butterflies and caterpillars, because when I was thinking like transformation, 
Um, that's what came to mind. So I looked into them, and it's actually really cool. So that is the picture of a caterpillar on the left, obviously, and that's the butterfly on the right. Um, but the process is really cool. So this caterpillar is born out of the egg, and then um, it eats lots of leaves, like, and it keeps eating leaves until it grows to a certain size, and then it turns into this little cocoon of sorts, and it just sits there for a while. And on the outside, it looks like nothing is happening. But internally, the thing actually turns into this like big, gooey mush, and it actually like reforms itself. And the caterpillar apparently has these like little discs. It's like a hormonal thing that is activated when it turns into mush, and it starts to tra transform, really, in internally what's happening. And out of the blue, like this, this cocoon of sorts cracked, and then this butterfly emerges from this thing, and it's flight, it flows away, flows away, flies away, and it's this beautiful creature. Um, and I thought that was an interesting picture of transformation because often um, we have this goal of what we want to be or where we want to become, but we're not sure how to get there. And in fact, the cool thing about it, I, I realized about this cocoon, is that like it goes through this reform internally first. And the passage that actually came to mind was this idea that the outwardly we are wasting away, but inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And this idea that internally we're shifting things and something is changing. Romans 12 talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Something is shifting internally for a change. And I was thinking about that because recently uh, I had actually been um, away with a concussion and that's no fun, because I'm supposed to sit in a dark room and do nothing. I'm not allowed to watch television. I'm not allowed to uh, play with things. I'm not really allowed to do a lot of things, uh, exercise. And I have to sit there in a dark room. And I thought to myself, what am I actually even doing? I'm not doing anything. I, externally, nothing's happening. But the doctors told me that that's how I rest my brain. That's how I need to be healed, by sitting there and absolutely doing nothing. Or at least, for me, it was resting the brain from all these activities. Um, and eventually, I feel like I got better because I, the headaches went away and, and, and all these dizziness and all that stuff kind of went away. Um, so that was, that was an interesting time where I realized that sometimes that sitting in that process is actually uh, beneficial and actually helpful. Now, in this passage, it talks about... Um, the sanct uh, becoming sanctified them by the truth and that your word is truth. And my question to you in that is, do you believe that his word is the truth? Do you fully believe that what you read in this book, in the scriptures, is true? Because at least in the scriptures in John chapter 17 here, it says that we're to be sanctified by the truth and that his word is the truth. And I think some are easier to believe, and I think some are actually a little bit tougher. When prayers are unanswered or circumstances don't change, um, when your trust hasn't been broken before, I think it's quite hard to trust some of those words that God has for us. And I want you to think for a moment some of these passages that God might be talking about. Like, if this book is true, if the words are true, what are some of those verses that you hear in your head? What are you, the ones that you're thinking about right now? So do you actually believe that he can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine? 
Do you believe that you need to be strong and courageous and not be discouraged or terrified for the Lord our God is with you wherever you go? Not just to the here or there, but wherever you go. Do you believe that nothing can separate you from the love of God? Do you believe that you are the child of God? When Jesus was sent out into his ministry, uh, he was baptized first. And when he was baptized, the heavens opened up, and a voice came from heaven saying, This is my son, whom I, believe, uh, whom I love, whom I well please with. And then he gets sent out into the wilderness. And there he's tested. And one of the phrases actually the devil uses is, if you are the son of God. Well, God just said, you, you are my son. And so when God speaks to you in the scriptures, do you take that as truth and say, this is who I am, this is what God says about me, and I'm going to hold on to that when that's questioned? Because it's really easy in this modern world, in this culture, to start questioning those truths. Am I good enough? Am I capable of this? Does God even really love me? Is this true? Well, in order for us to be sanctified, in order for us to be set aside for a purpose, in order for us to become the people that God intends us to be, to be part of this process, we need to start thinking that these things are indeed true. We need to actually believe that these are truths. And hold that against some of the criticism that happens from the outside world, and particularly in our internal brains, because often it's our own voices that tell us that we're not enough, that we aren't the sons and daughters of God, that God can't do all of this because it's too impossible. But it tells us in scriptures that what's impossible with man is possible with God. It tells us that when we are weak, that he is strong. It tells us that that he has a plan for your life. He tells us that if we cast our burdens onto him, he will care for us. And I think those are kind of the passages I want us to start thinking, do I actually believe this? And even if you don't, I'd like for you to hold on to those things and start walking with those truths because that's how we're going to counteract some of the voices that come across our way. And that's actually, I think, the way we're consecrated or sanctified or transformed into the image of God. Now, a couple months ago, I was actually in Germany visiting my uncle, and he's a glass manufacturer. He takes all these pieces, and like, he puts them in this really hot oven, and he like, turns them. Turn, I don't know how that actually works, but it's really cool. Um, this glass goes in this hot thing, kind of melts a bit, and then he has to turn it, and then he has to blow on it, and he has to shape it. And eventually, after all this thing that happens, there's this beautiful piece of glass that exists. And I kind of thought about that as as I was thinking about this passage, because it talks about God being a maker and that he molds us and he shapes us into who we are becoming. Because he has an intended purpose of each of our lives or what he wants out of us, and he takes that and he starts to mold us. And then I thought about how um, I got to, actually, I got to interact with kids um, most days, and that's actually a huge privilege. And the other day, they were playing with uh, Play-Doh and they were making stuff for art. And I just thought about the idea of them making things and shaping things, and they have this vision inside their head, and they're trying to bring that into, uh, well, they're trying to materialize and make it this real thing that exists. But what I thought about was this idea of like this pressure, because they have to push on with their thumbs this Play-Doh in order for them to 
make it the way they want it to. They can't just leave it. They have to do something, this pressure. And then I thought in my own life where, where I felt pressure or I felt that things weren't going the, the way I intended to be, and yet I think those are the things, when I look back on it, were foundational for my character, uh, for, for my well-being, or how I grew into becoming more the way God intended. And so um, another question I have for you is what are the things, maybe what are the pressures maybe in your life um, that may be causing you frustrations or hardships or difficulty and think about how are they shaping you into this person that God is desiring you to be. Now, before we uh, start kind of self-criticizing ourselves, God has already said, you are enough. He has already said, you are my sons and daughters. Like, you are a royal nation, a priesthood. He already says um, that you're part of this, his family. And so it's not like if you get here, then you'll be part of this family. Or if you do this, then you will become a good person, or if you do this, then you'll have my affection. No, God, even for Jesus, God said, I love you, prior to Jesus doing anything. He didn't fail. He didn't succeed. Before he went on the mission, God already said, you are loved by me. And so I want us to make sure that that's a starting point for you as you transition into whatever it is that God is calling you to, whatever this, this process of sanctification is for you, because it's easy for us to give up pretty quickly. Now, right now, we're in the midst of Lent season, and if I ask the question, how well are you doing with those commitments, there might be, well, you guys might be perfect, but I know that I struggle with that sometimes. I'll say, like, I'll read the scriptures every day for, like, three hours, and then I didn't even read once for a day, and it's like, oh, I messed up. I quit. I'm done. I can't do this anymore, because it had to be perfect. But the reality is that you probably weren't reading scriptures every day for three hours prior to it. Maybe you were reading for 15 minutes, like a couple days. And then you got to a point where you were actually reading scriptures every day at least. And I think that's progress. And I think that's actually something that we should count towards victory, something that we should say, hey, you know what? I'm making strides towards those things. Because it is a process. Because I think, like in the picture with the caterpillar, I don't think a caterpillar looks at himself like when he's growing, saying, well, I'm not a butterfly, I quit. Well, if he quit, then that's where he's going to end up. But he trusts the process. He trusts that uh, if he keeps doing what he's supposed to do, well, he's going to get there. And I think that's similar for us. And so even in the example of running, um, when I first started running, I counted as a victory if I even changed into my running clothes and put my running shoes on. (laughs) I didn't say, oh, I'm no good. I just said, hey, you know what? That's good. That's a good start. Now, if I stayed there, I'd never get fitted because I'm not running at all, but at least I'm taking those steps. And and I guess what I'm saying is that I'd like for you to be gracious towards yourself when you're in this midst of this process, of this transformation, because it doesn't happen overnight. And if we think about all the things that we like in the world, we think that are good, it just takes time. And we just can't get from A to B in a click of a button the way that we would hope to be. And so if, for example, uh, reading the scripture is your thing, and that's what you've been doing for Lent, and you've messed up once, twice, ten times, and you forgot to, well, my suggestion is you start again. And that you don't quit on that, because it's a process. It's something that takes time. It happens over time. And another thing that I actually did think about was um, just financially and how, like, stocks work and stuff. Now, I'm not an expert in it, but I, I, was, I was told that those things 
over time, it, it goes, it has the ups and downs, but eventually in the long term of things, it usually goes up. Like it's a very, if you're a financial advisor, please correct me on that. That's what I was told. <laughs> and if, if, if I am wrong, I'm not going to that person again. Um, but apparently it just goes up eventually. Now, I think it's easy for us to be critical because if it goes up, it's like, yay. If it goes down, it's like, oh, boo. Like, and it, it's exhausting. But I think we have to look at it in the grand scheme of picture, the, the big picture of um, am I growing, am I developing over time? And am I gr- being gracious enough um, for that? And so I guess uh, the big question now is who do you listen to? What voice are you listening to? Because, because God says that through his word, his, through his truth, you are being sanctified, that you're being transformed into a, a, an image that God has intended you to be. But if you're listening to other things that aren't the truth, then it's not going to happen. We have to understand that this word is the truth. And if you have to wrestle with it, fine. You totally should. But which voice are you listening to? Are you listening to your own voice that talks to you differently? Are you listening to the voice of other people who tell you how to do things or what to do? Or are you looking at, into his word and asking Jesus, saying, hey, what do you think? Because for me, sometimes, if I'm honest, it's easy for me to say, man, like, I messed up here. Man, I didn't do that. Oh, I'm not good enough for that. Oh, I'm scared. Someone might say this or do that. But when I say, Jesus, what do you think of me? What do you have for me? He tells me that I'm his son. He tells me that he cares for me. He tells me that he will never leave me or forsake me. And I wonder whose voice that we're listening to each day because that's how we are going to be sanctified in the truth. And the hope for that is that when you're sanctified, that you'll get sent out to share that with those people, share Jesus and share Christ with those around you. Because that's what he, Jesus wanted to do. That's what he was talking to uh, about with his disciples. And so, think about how you even talk to yourself or think about how the evil talks to you, because often it starts to skew. Like I said before, when Jesus was tempted, God said, you're the son of God. And then the next thing the devil does is, well, if you are the son of God, it's not an if, it is you are. Even in the, in the, in the, uh, in the beginning, you know, the serpent says, did he really say it? Well, he did. He just said it, Right? But it's easy for us to start saying, well, maybe not. Maybe God doesn't love me, or God thinks that I'm not enough. And it's easy to move around and start thinking when we're not actually reading and looking at his word as truth. So, yeah, my question to you is, whose voice are you listening to? And are you making the steps towards the process of becoming, of transforming, and being sanctified in the word. Uh, Let me pray, and I will call up Cole, I guess.